Welcome to the Rocky Valley Podcast. This is Pastor Jason Moe. We're glad you stopped in to have a listen, and we hope that this blesses you in some way. Open your Bibles to the book of Galatians. The book of Galatians, first chapter of the book of Galatians. We'll be beginning in the sixth verse this evening, and we will... uh, kind of go through the rest of the chapter. We're not going to read the entire chapter, but we're going to go through uh, the rest of the chapter this evening. And we're going to kind of study our, our, continue our study in the book of Galatians. Uh, but keep in mind, Paul is writing this letter to the churches in Galatia. And the churches in Galatia are Lystra, Derby, Iconium, and Antioch of Pisidia, or Antioch in So these are the four main towns in the region of Galatia where Paul had went through. So he's writing this letter to them. And Paul is not happy with them as he pens this letter to them. This is not a, what we would call a salutation type epistle. This is not a, uh, a pleasant letter. It's not the kind of letter that he sends to commend them on their great work. He is penning this letter as a loving rebuke that even though he loved them so much, even though he put so much into them, even though he cared for them so much, even though he tried so hard, even though he preached with everything inside of him when he was there, somehow or another they departed from the gospel of grace that he had preached while he was there with him. And Paul is not pleased with the people of Galatia as he pins this letter. He's concerned for them. And so he pins this to try and get them to turn from where they're at and come back to the gospel that he preached. If you would, please stand this evening as we honor the reading of the Holy Word of God from the book of Galatians, first chapter, beginning in verse 6. I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel. Which is not another, but there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than what we preach to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what you have received, let him be accursed. For I do now, for do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For I, if I, I please, still pleased men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. Skip down to verse 15. But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace to reveal his son in me, that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately confer with flesh and blood. Let us pray. Father God... We come to you this evening, Lord, and we ask you yet again on this day to do what only you can, and that is dwell among your people this very evening, Lord God. Use the writings of Paul this evening under the inspiration of your Holy Spirit. Use them to turn our attention and our lives to the things that we need to focus on ourselves, Lord Jesus. God, we will worship you because you are worthy of your worship, Lord. And God, we seek to glorify you this very evening. And that if we get to the end of this service, look back and say, we made a big deal out of Jesus, then it will have been a successful evening, Lord God. 
So God, we ask that you would do all these things for us and we will give you the praise and the honor that is due to you and all of God's people said. Amen, and you may be seated. The first thing we're going to see in verses 6 through 10, we're going to kind of see what I call a departure from the grace. A departure from the grace. Some of your Bibles may head that as only one gospel. Some will will head it as leaving the grace. Some different things, but most of it is going to be around this idea. These few verses, what we've got going on here is is Paul writing and saying, there is a departure from the grace that I preach to you. Paul says here, I cannot believe that in just a short time since I've left, that you've been called away from the grace of Christ to a different gospel. He says, I marvel. Literally, the word marvel there means I stand just in disbelief. I I can't even believe that this is what's happened. I can't believe that this is going. It's like when you hear one of those stories that just doesn't make sense in today's time. That's what he's saying. He's he's sitting there and somebody brings him news from Galatia and they say, Hey, Paul, guess what? The people of Galatia are becoming Judaizers again. The Pharisees have been through there and they're preaching this works-based gospel. They're preaching all these things and they're saying they're discounting you. And Paul says, No way. That those people in Galatia would ever depart from the grace that I preached. I was stoned just outside their gates and left for dead because I loved them so dearly. No way they would ever discount the words that I said and move on to a new set of teachings and a new preacher. And and so the word come to him and he said, I am just dumbfounded. I'm dumbfounded as I hear this that you have departed so quickly from the gospel, and he kind of puts the hammer down. He says to him in verse 9, If anyone is preaching something to you different than what I preach to you, they should be cursed. They should fall under a curse. Their life should be in shambles because they're leading you astray. In verse 6, he's amazed. By verse 9, he's ready to curse the people that are preaching to him. Along the way, in verse 7, he kind of gives them just a little bit of a way out, he says, there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel, right? Because Paul, as a good parent, how many parents do we have in the house this evening? If you're not a parent, how many of you have someone, a young person in your life that you love dearly and consider them like a child to you, right? So, so what do you do when that child does something wrong? Breaks your heart, right? Right? Josh Haynes whips them. Mom and daddy ought to whip you more often. <laughs> you love them. You're upset. You want to correct them, right? I, wanna, I, wanna, I don't want to spare the rod and spoil the child, right? I'm going to whip them. But what are you pretty quick to do? I wonder who taught them that, Right? Uh, Miss Emily, you're a teacher at school. I bet you get accused all the time of doing things to little Timmy or little Amy. Right? It's that teacher's fault. It's the principal's fault. It's the school's fault. It's the government's fault. It's Donald Trump's fault. It's Obama's fault. It's the church's fault. It's somebody's fault. My baby would never, ever, ever do anything wrong unless somebody perverted the truth to them because they're just nearly perfect. That's how Paul felt about the Galatians as he hears. They're going away from the gospel you preach to them. He said, I can't believe that. I've got to write this letter and rebuke them, but I want to make sure they know I love them 
And I understand that it's because somebody's perverting the gospel as they teach it. If they didn't come along and teach it, they couldn't pick it up. They're being deceived. But, but Paul is still, he's not satisfied to leave them there, right? He's, he's got to correct them. You've got to cling to the grace. I preached grace when I was there because that is all I've got. That's all that matters is that you understand that the grace of Jesus is enough. And you know, we can sit here in our pew in 2017 and pretend that this is a book that is just talking to the people in Galatia. And we can do that because we've never met anyone from Galatia that I know of. Some of you, if you have, correct me later. But I've never met anyone from Galatia. And so I can stand here and read this, and if I want to, I can disconnect from this letter from Paul because it's written to people thousands of years ago. But keep in mind what the false teachers were teaching in Galatia. You have to work to earn your salvation. Don't you dare believe that it's just a gift from God. It's just for the chosen ones. It's just for the Jewish people. That's all who this, this salvation is for. If you're not a Jew... You've got to become a Jew by being circumcised. It's just for our promised seed of Abraham. And if you're a Gentile, you've got to do what you've got to do to follow our customs. Because that's all that this covenant is for. You know, there are some people still saying things like this today. Aren't they? That's still being peddled throughout our country today. Unless you adhere to this Religion, unless you adhere to these teachings, unless you do things in addition to accepting Jesus Christ, then you aren't truly saved. You've got to do other things to make it count. It's not good enough just to accept Jesus. People are spreading these false gospels throughout our land and gaining so much attention across our nation and television and in our popular culture that if you just accept Jesus then all your wants will be, be fulfilled and all your desires will be fulfilled. And, and this false gospel is going out. And I bet, I just bet that some of the old preachers, the Charles Spurgeons and the Dwight Moody's and the Manly Beasley's and those great men of faith that preach throughout history would look back on this country and on this land and on their home countries and go, I marvel that I preached so hard that I preached so often, that I preached the way that I preached, and now you're believing these things. Now this is what you're peddling. This is what you've come up with. It hasn't been that long since I left you. Well, we, like Paul, should be shouting from every nook and cranny we can to the lost and dying world that all of this stuff, contrary, anything contrary to the grace of Jesus being sufficient, for the covering of sins is baloney. It's just not true. And we should shout that from the mountaintops. We should be just as zealous as Paul is telling the world that Jesus Christ died for them. And he died that sinners could come to repentance. And that the grace of God says they cannot have been too bad for Jesus to save. That if they will turn to him, it does not matter what group they belong to. If they just Turn to Jesus. It doesn't matter whose teachings they've been following if they just turn to Jesus. It only matters that the Savior of the world died for them and is calling out to them. We need not allow the blood of Jesus that was so preciously spilled to be cheapened by those who would say, well, it's Jesus 
plus your works. It's Jesus plus something else. It drives me crazy. When people start that, well, it's, it's Jesus plus baptism. It's Jesus plus the sacraments. It's Jesus plus doing something else. As if somehow or another, when you accept Jesus, you like get half saved. And somehow or another, once you've gone through the steps, you'll be fully saved. Because here's the problem. When you start putting those additional principles on it, where do you stop? Whose principles do we have to live up to? If I teach that it's Jesus plus baptism and it stopped there, we might could deal with that. But what if, what if I taught that and Danny said it's Jesus plus baptism plus reading your Bible every day? Baptism and reading your Bible are good things. They're things a Christian ought to do as a result of being saved. But they're not things that a Christian can do to bring about salvation. And when you start peddling those things as truth, people are lost and dying and confused and suddenly the weight of religion is on their back instead of the weight of their sin. And having the weight of your sin and the weight of religion makes it look like a mountain that you cannot climb and yet we come along and we say, you can't climb the mountain on your own. But Jesus already climbed the mountain. And He's all you need. Lay down all that other stuff. Leave it all behind. How freeing a message is that. And yet how restricting is the message that's being peddled all across our country today. There is no additional language that prefaces or follows what my copy of God's Word says when it says, if they shall confess with their mouth and believe in their hearts, then they will be saved. Look on both sides. Look throughout the whole book of Romans and you do not see anything that prefaces it or follows it that says there's anything else that has to be done to be saved. Don't get me wrong. I don't want anybody to go out of here and say, Brother Jason's one of those guys that says, if, if you say a prayer and you just kind of confess out loud, you don't ever have to do anything for Jesus the rest of your life. I said, if you really get saved, you'll want to do all those other things. But doing all those other things won't get you saved. And we got to make sure people understand that. We need to be boldly proclaiming to the world that we believe if we follow Christ... We've got a Redeemer in our corner that will heavenly bless us until everything's okay. But this gospel out there being preached that says, if you smile big and you come to church and you give your tithes and you accept Jesus, then suddenly you'll just be, he'll just bless your pants off here on this earth and you won't never have no problems. Guess what? I'm a firm believer that you cannot outgive God. It has been manifested in my life more often than I have stories to tell you that when I thought I couldn't and I did, God has somehow provided for me. But can I also just tell you that those good things like that that God gives me, those, those are not what Scripture teaches us the good things are. Scripture teaches me that the good things are simply that I have a heavenly inheritance awaiting me, that I am a joint heir with Jesus Christ in the kingdom of God. And if Jesus never ever did anything for me besides die for me, he would have done more than he owed me in the beginning. He didn't owe me anything. 
I could die broke, penniless, without a church to preach in, without clothes on my back. But because Jesus died for me, I'm okay. At the end of the day, I'm okay. Am I happy? Hopefully. Hopefully my perspective gets to the point that I can be happy there. But it's good enough. Because the problem, here's the problem with that. We, we can fill up auditoriums telling people that we're going to give cars away to the people that come to church. We can do that. But the problem with that is, and I've, I've said this before, I'll say it again. What happens when, when you get somebody in the doors of the church telling them that all they have to do is come to church and follow Jesus and all their problems are going to be solved? What happens when they have a problem? Where they go, Brother Eric? They go somewhere else, don't they? Because that great genie that you were preaching about didn't deliver when I rubbed on the bottle. Because I still had problems. I still had things go wrong. I would like a show of hands in here. How many people in here love Jesus? How many people in here have problems? Apparently, loving Jesus doesn't equal no problems. But the fact that you're here tells me that you have never had a problem so big that Jesus couldn't handle it. And that's what the gospel says. I can't, but he can. I can't, but he does. I won't, but he will. Right? It's putting your faith in something other than yourself. And so as Paul writes to them, he said, why? Why would you fall back under that? Why would you want a religion that you can put your hands and your, and your feet on the ground and think you can do something to earn it? What's going to be there when the suffering comes? What's going to be there? Your works? I cannot imagine... I have the, the privilege, I have the privilege of sitting with people often and having them bear sufferings to me. I call it a privilege because it is a privilege to me that you would trust me and honor me enough to share your sufferings with me. It's one of the greatest parts of what I do. It's, it's one of my greatest joys just to hold hands and cry with people. I cry easily. I cry a lot. Liette makes fun of me. She's, when we were dating, she liked it. Now all of a sudden, I'm a sissy. But <laughs> in your time of suffering, I'm, I'm not a professional therapist. So in your time of suffering, the only thing that I really have to offer you is Jesus. That's all I've got. So I'm struggling. I know you are. Jesus loves you. I'm suffering. I know you are. But Jesus is using this suffering to bring about glory to his name. I don't know how I would sit across from you and you would say, I'm suffering. And I'd say, well, did you wash your hands four times before you ate breakfast this morning? No. Oh, that's the problem. Go wash your hands more. Everything will be okay. I'm suffering. Did you make sure you got baptized quick enough after you said your prayer to Jesus? 
I don't know, it was about an hour, preacher. Yeah, you went an hour tainted. That's why you're suffering. I don't understand how, and that's what Paul is saying to the Galatians. It's, I marvel. I'm in disbelief. I don't, I don't know how you could depart from a grace that is so great, a grace that is greater than all of your sins. I don't, I don't get it. I don't, I don't know what's wrong with you. I don't know. So first we see the departure from grace. Next, let us look at the authority of Paul's message. He starts in verse 10. He says, For do I now persuade men or God? Do I seek to please men? For if I still pleased men, I wouldn't be a bondservant of Christ. Paul is writing and he reminds them, because the message that he's preaching is one that's contrary to what's going through their town right now. And so he's reminding them again, as he did in the first five verses, I, I'm not trying to make friends. I'm fully aware that there are people that have come to you and told you that I'm not worthy to preach to you. I'm fully aware that there are people that have come by and told you that there's something about me that makes me underqualified to preach to you. I'm fully aware that people have come behind me and reminded you of what I was before I came to you. But, might I remind you, I'm not trying to be their friend. Might I remind you, I wasn't trying to be your friend. They don't like me because I'm not on mission from them. If I would have only gone to Jerusalem and bowed down to them the moment I accepted Jesus and changed myself into one of them, then they would have been perfectly happy with me doing what I was doing as long as I was doing what they said I needed to do. But the fact of the matter is, I'm not here to please men. Somehow or another, they've heard that I was preaching Jesus and they're not happy with that. But the good news is, I don't work for them. I'm not on mission from the church in Jerusalem. He says, I'm on a mission from God. I don't seek to please men. If I was pleasing men, I'd still be a bondservant. I'd still be a slave. And I am no longer a slave to sin. I am a bondservant of Jesus. He says, I am a slave of Christ. I can't be a slave to Christ and be a slave to men. He says... He says, folks, what I want you to remember, I can only imagine that Paul's writing this, and he's like, you know what, I know they're going to remember the old stories that they've been told. Folks, I, I want you to remember when I write this to you, I want you to call back in your day of reckoning and be reminded that I told you a story, a parable that Jesus has told when he was on this earth, and he said that no one can serve what? Can't serve two masters, can you? He said, you're either going to love one and hate the other, right? He said, you cannot serve two masters. And Paul said, I can't please men and please Jesus too. I, I cannot do it. I, I can't make people happy and make God happy. And in the voting process, I determined it was more important that I make Jesus happy. They lost. And so they don't like me anymore. They didn't give me the message. They can't change my message. And they're not going to like my message. Because my message is not theirs. It's just like I went to the top. You ever have that situation at work where you just kind of bypass the chain of command and go straight to the top? Right, that's what Paul's saying here. He said, I, I didn't need the chain of command. I just went right on to the source of the message. And, and the message he gave me was contrary to what they were preaching, and I didn't feel like I needed to talk to them about it. 
I felt like I needed to do what Jesus said. Verse 13, he talks about persecuting the church. And what Paul is doing is he's kind of flashing back. And he's saying, you know, before I preached to you, I was one of them. I walked around. I persecuted Christians. I told people that the gospel was false. I asked people to denounce their fellowship of Jesus Christ, and I punished them when they didn't. I was one of them. I was a good son of my father. I, I, I had this conduct that was unbecoming of a follower of Christ. But on the Damascus Road, I was saved. And I was set free from all these things. And he's kind of using that as a reference. He's kind of saying, you know how I know these guys are peddling a false gospel? It's because I was with them. I was peddling the same junk. I was, I was walking down a bad road with them and I've turned and gone away. You don't need to go down that road with those guys. It's a dead-end road. It's a road of tradition. You know, I believe that some of us here this evening need to take a lesson from Paul on occasion here. It might behoove us to listen to what he says and do what he did. First, that we would be so emboldened by Christ that we would evangelize with the courage to say, I know the world don't like what I'm going to tell you, but I'm going to tell you anyway. That we would be courageous enough to say, listen, I know this is not going to be popular, but it's the message that Jesus gave me, and it's my responsibility to him to tell you this message. I know that I'm not going to be the most popular guy in the break room. I get it. But I don't care. Because I took a straw poll in my mind and I decided I could either be the most popular guy in the break room or I could work for Jesus and Jesus won. Turns out you guys in the break room aren't all that great anyway. You guys will just abandon me. But Jesus, he's never left me. He's never forsaken me. First, that we would be so bold, but second, that we would be so humbled. Notice that Paul says, listen, I know what these guys are doing. I know what they're saying. I used to be one of them. I used to be one of them. And this is why so many of us fail to tell others about Jesus each and every day, day in and day out. Because we're afraid that in the process of having to tell somebody else about Jesus that we might... We might have to admit that we're sinners ourselves. We might have to admit that we walk down a bad road at some point ourselves. We don't want to tell them, listen, I had my own struggles with that. I had my own problems with that. I, I dealt with that myself. Here's how Jesus set me free. Because suddenly, now that we've gotten saved, holy, and sanctimonious, we forget that we used to be sinners. We forget that we were heading down the same road that they were heading down. This is why... I've been privy to see this. So it's why addicts make such good addiction counselors, honestly. Because at the very core of the recovery process from addiction is the acknowledgement that you have a problem and the honesty to not pretend it doesn't exist. And so at the very core of the whole process of somebody recovering from addiction, they have to admit, I've got a lifelong situation that's going to have to be dealt with and I have to be honest about it or it's going to come back and haunt me some more. He 
If you ever get the privilege to see an addict counseling an addict, a recovering addict counseling someone who's struggling, just sit back and watch. Because it's pretty cool to see somebody who's so humble as that they would just sit and say, I know you feel awful. I do too. I know it struggles. I do too. I know you're hurting. I did too. But there is a light at the end of the tunnel. Imagine, imagine if we in the church would only preach like dying men to dying men. If we would only get out there and say, I don't have any pride left. All I've got is the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's all I got. And I know you're struggling. I know you're sinning. I, I, I know you turn on those TV channels you don't need to turn on. I used to do that too. Here's how I overcame it with Jesus. I know that your marriage is struggling. My marriage struggled too. Here's how we laid a new foundation with Jesus. I know that you're hurting because your, your loved one is sick and dying and it doesn't seem like God is healing them. Here's how I felt when that was happening to me. Here's how Jesus healed me. Here's how I got through it. But instead, we want to look down from above. And go, you just need to turn to Jesus. Instead of hugging somebody with Jesus every now and then. Saying, I hurt too. I'm bad too. Here's what Jesus did for me. What if we would humble ourselves like Paul did? He's putting himself out there saying, I was a Pharisee and that's how I know the Pharisees lead you nowhere. So there's a departure from the grace. There's an authority of the message. Finally, I want us to look in closing at the sweetness of his preaching. Look at verse 15 with me. But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace to reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately confer with flesh and blood, nor did I go to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me. I went to Arabia and returned again to Damascus. But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace. He says, how can you depart from this? And then he kind of goes back into it. He wrote the letter to Timothy and he had that big moment where he flashed to his grace. He said, guys, how can you depart from the fact that Jesus separated you from what you were? That, that language, that says he separated me from my mother's womb. It's saying he, he knew me even before my birth. And then he made me a new creation. He made me something new. He saved me from something different than I was by his grace. And he says, you know what? It, it was all his grace because remember what I just told you? I was a persecutor of Christians. I had nothing inside of me that was worth saving. I had nothing inside of me that was good enough to save. It was all the grace of Jesus that in my salvation, and when I got saved, the only thing I could think of to do was tell somebody else how to get saved. I was so excited about the fact that I was on my way to kill Christians and Jesus called me to go and make Christians that I thought the best thing I could possibly do was go and make Christians like Jesus was telling me to do. He says, I went and preached in Arabia. I came back through Damascus. I was gone. It was, all I could do was go preach. And that's why I didn't do all the things they think I ought to do because I didn't have time to do them because I was too busy doing what they ought to have been doing. 
I didn't have time to go through all the tradition and all of the things they were saying I needed to do. I was busy telling people about Jesus. He says, I, I went on. If you look at the rest of the chapter, he says, I did go see Peter. I stayed with him about 15 days. Then I had to go preach some more. Because 15 days in Jerusalem was all I could handle. Those people, they just don't worship like we do in Galatia. They're sticks in the mud. I got to go be with some people that love Jesus. So I'm going to go out and preach to the Gentiles. They're happy to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. They're happy to hear that by grace alone they can be saved. They're happy to hear that there is an answer to their problems. They're happy to hear that if they will only trust him, that they can be saved. They like to hear this. You people in Jerusalem are miserable. You keep washing your hands and cleaning your couches and putting on your robes and going out at a certain time of day and doing all these things. I'd, I'd rather go out there and preach. So I hung out with Peter for 15 days, and then I went out and preached some more. And in verse 23, as it closes, he says, they heard that I was preaching, and they couldn't really say anything to me. They couldn't, couldn't stop it. They couldn't condemn it. They couldn't really do anything about it. The, the thing is, when Paul writes this letter to them, he's saying, I know they're coming by and telling you that I'm a problem, that I'm a wild card, that I'm a rebel, that I'm a persecutor. But the fact of the matter is, their problem with me is that I don't agree with them. And the problem with them is that they don't agree with me. Because what I'm preaching is that the grace of Jesus is sufficient for the remission of sins. And anybody that preaches anything contrary to that, they should be cursed. They should be cursed. In this introductory chapter, Paul is saying something to the Galatians that is very important for us today. And I think you all know it by now, that his grace is sufficient. And not only is it sufficient, but it's exceedingly abundant. Not only is it sufficiently and exceedingly abundant for you, but it's sufficient and exceedingly abundant for everyone. And so we should all go tell everyone that the grace of Jesus is enough. Stand against all the false gospels, not by doing it quietly here at Rocky Valley. I don't think I told anybody in here anything they didn't already know tonight. But maybe we take this reminder and then we go tell it to people that don't know it or people that have been misled. Brother Mike sang it this morning. This is my story. This is my song. That I can boast in the grace that is greater than all my sin. And that's why Paul was willing to fight so hard for the Galatians. Because he understood that the grace was enough. And they didn't need to add anything to the blood of Jesus to make it good enough or make it better. Let's pray. Father God, Lord, we thank you. God, we thank you for Paul's fervent preaching, Lord God. God, we thank you that he would love the Galatians so much that he would write them this letter that you would love us so much that you would give us this letter to remind us that Jesus Christ, that you are enough. So God, give us the courage, give us the boldness to proudly proclaim from the mountaintops that only Jesus 
Only Jesus can fill the hole in the soul and cleanse the sins, Lord God. God, help us to be a church that shares that truth everywhere we go. And it's in your precious name that we pray. Amen. Thanks again for joining in. We sincerely hope that this has blessed you in some way. If you have any further questions, feel free to give us a call or check us out on the web at www.rockyvalleybaptist.org. Thank you and have a blessed day. Thanks again for joining in. We sincerely hope that this has blessed you in some way. If you have any further questions, feel free to give us a call or check us out on the web at www.rockyvalleybaptist.org. Thank you and have a blessed day. Thanks again for joining in. We sincerely hope that this has blessed you in some way. If you have any further questions, feel free to give us a call or check us out on the web at www.rockyvalleybaptist.org. Thank you and have a blessed day. Thanks again for joining in. We sincerely hope that this has blessed you in some way. If you have any further questions, feel free to give us a call or check us out on the web at www.rockyvalleybaptist.org. Thank you and have a blessed day. Thanks again for joining in. We sincerely hope that this has blessed you in some way. If you have any further questions, feel free to give us a call or check us out on the web at www.rockyvalleybaptist.org. Thank you and have a blessed day. Thanks again for joining in. We sincerely hope that this has blessed you in some way. If you have any further questions, feel free to give us a call or check us out on the web at www.rockyvalleybaptist.org. Thank you and have a blessed day. Thanks again for joining in. We sincerely hope that this has blessed you in some way. If you have any further questions, feel free to give us a call or check us out on the web at www.rockyvalleybaptist.org.